0: Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Any long-term listener of the show knows that I'm doing a really Series with writers from the Washington Post, which is one of my favorite publications. And people know me, Kevin. You're rather a center. Why do you like the Post? Well, the reason why is because I think uh, we need to be a much more tolerant and open society, and much more interested in uh, figuring out how to work together rather than against. And the way you do that is by reading smart content and articles with people you don't always agree with that provide some nuance. And in addition to that, there's very few uh, publications. I would say the Washington Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, really it's down to those three that are true newspapers of record, providing the breadth and depth of coverage that uh, used to be a commitment in the old days, and now it's been replaced with fluff pieces and propaganda. And so uh, I, I love it. I geek out every morning, uh, Anna, whom I asked for by... By name, Ann Miriam. she's going to be covering uh, what's going on with the Supreme Court. I asked for her by name. She's one of my favorite writers because I geek out on when it comes to all things support. And, uh, you know, I, I just love what she I love what the post does. How do I feel like a fanboy whenever I interview you guys? And I've, I've been doing it now for almost two years. So it's always fun. Every Thursday here on The Price of Business, thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks for being such a loyal, enthusiastic reader. We appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I I'm a big fan of, of diversity of, of perspective. And uh it is so funny because uh it seems like that's a problem on both the left and the right, and they'll both talk about diversity, but they don't want to talk about a diversity of views. And so uh I love what you do. The Florida and I probably say more time in your area now in the last few years than I have at any point, simply because of all the dramatic changes that are going on in the court. In fact, uh, I've been thinking that uh, a show that would start this month on the court and would be early summer could be a great reality show, couldn't it? <laughs> we, don't know, we don't know the winners and losers, and losers until the end, you know, the last month or so when they start declaring, you know, the, the uh, announcements. But it has almost a reality show feel to it, doesn't it?
1: It does. Uh, There's a lot of suspense in June. We never know which cases are coming, and um, it's very hard to predict often how they'll come out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, talk about the stage four. What are you, uh, give us a panoramic overview first when it comes to the cases that the Supreme Court will be dealing with?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the high-profile, controversial political issues from previous terms are returning. Um, We're already um, into the new term, and the cases um, involve gun rights, um, racial discrimination. We'll likely have an abortion case again. Um, And another big theme this term is the power of federal government agencies. Um, In addition to the future of free speech online, And, of course, swirling around all of these cases are um, the ethical challenges and criticism of the court's um, ethical practices, um, particularly centered on Justice Clarence Thomas.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, and, you know, what's interesting is that you talked about um, this, this list, and it's not all of them, it's just the big ones. But, frankly, this list of big ones, uh, are the type of things that we only see over five to ten years because they're so huge, and yet we're seeing them all at once at this time. How do you explain that? First of all, do you agree yeah. with my assessment that they are much more <laughs> pure and far between these ones? Um, you know, uh, you know, kind of, to judge my assessment and then talk about it accordingly in your view.
1: Sure, um, you know, one analysis um, of the. Um, you know, uh, regularity with which the court is thrust into the center of these issues um, is that uh, states' attorney generals from both Republican and Democratic states have become a lot more aggressive, um, challenging federal policy, depending on which administration is in power, um, and then bringing those cases to um, court districts that they know uh, might be receptive to these challenges. And a lot of them have ended up at the um, conservative U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, um, which was really reshaped by uh, former President Trump. Um, And then they are issuing these rulings, for instance, finding um, unconstitutional, the structure of the Consumer um, Protection Bureau, and also striking down a federal gun law. Um, So those are some of the cases that are coming to the court um, after going through the Fifth Circuit um, and being brought by um, states.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you're just saying, we're just seeing a difference, uh, a much uh, maybe arguably it's going along to get along view by uh, the attorney generals. They might complain about it, they may not like it, but they didn't usually do much aggressive about it. Uh, now they're much more proactive, and I'm wondering how big of a of a role uh, Obamacare uh, played in uh, what seems to be a pretty dramatic paradigm shift.
1: Sure. Um, this, Like I said, this happens um, depending on which administration is in power, um, and you're seeing it just become sort of a regular strategy. Um, one set of cases that the court just took uh, last week um, involves state regulations, state laws of social media platforms um, and whether these state laws can regulate Um, some of the content decisions of these social media companies. Um, So that's another example of sort of aggressive attorneys general, um, you know, bringing these cases.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Talk, you know, laundry list, if you will, of things that are going on. One of the ones I find very interesting is the court taking on the administrative state. You alluded to that um, I believe that's what you're leading to when you talk about some of the things that, that the court's going to review. And it's been interesting to watch the fact that the, that, uh, in fact, the, the courts made the decision when it came to the Department of Labor's regulations, um, when it came to the automobile industry and said, now nah, this is too far, this really needs to be done uh, by the legislative branch. When you look at the Constitution, you look at Article 1 of the Constitution, this is a legislative thing that, that uh, nothing has been written about it, but the regular, regulatory agency is, is doing taking license. And, of course, when people saw that, it was like, oh, my God, the court can see that about almost anything because there's a lot out there that, uh, you know, you could argue she's got carried away with um yet in spite of that essential reversal i haven't seen any reversal in regulatory policy you know what happens uh you know if we essentially just good courts have no t- don't take and other agencies don't take action or other government uh, uh agencies don't take action
1: yeah another big case was the clean power act um you know the court Um, significantly pulled back the power of the Environmental Protection Agency to deal with climate change. Um, So this is another set of cases like that um, where conservatives have long targeted um, what's known as the administrative state. Um, And so we're going to see some of these challenges with the CFPB, which was argued um, already. And then also um, another big one is what's referred to as Chevron deference. And this is whether um, the court will decide to limit the authority of government agencies and experts to interpret laws that are not entirely clear. Um, That's, again, long been a a target of conservatives, and it seems like the court um, could either narrow or overturn um, that precedent. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's one of the fact that the uh, media seems to um, kind of try to almost reduce the Supreme Court to a caricature, you know, they are right-wingers, you know, and yet they continuously do things that doesn't seem to be fitting the typical right-wing mode right now. And and uh, a great example, for exa- uh, for example, is the redistricting issues, I believe is in Alabama, right, where now that's not going to work either. You know, they thought it would be easy uh, with this court, but it hasn't been easy at, at all. Uh, talk a little bit, you know, about your sense of work.
1: Yeah, I think it's more nuanced. Um, There were certainly some very big conservative wins um, striking down uh, President Biden's student loan program, um, getting rid of affirmative action, um, the case involving uh, religious rights to refuse to create uh, websites for gay couples. Um, but yes, as you said, it is nuanced um, on voting rights. Um, you know, it was a, a mixed result uh, to protect uh, Voting Rights Act uh, laws. Um, and yes, just recently with Alabama, the court said, no, we're, we're not going to do that. You need to follow our opinion um, and go back and, and redraw the maps. Um, so I think that the Conservative majority is only willing to go so far, and we even saw that with the CFPB case that was argued. Um, it seemed like there were a yeah. lot of the conservatives who were skeptical um, of the decision from the Fifth Circuit.
0: Yeah, this is the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau case. Uh, and I uh, was just bringing, bringing it up. I was pulling up even as you were talking. That's a really interesting example right there, uh, where, you know, again, uh, it's a much more new. Co- Uh, court. I'm sure that there's tons of conservatives who, in fact, uh, DeSantis, uh, Governor DeSantis, has uh, been talking about how terrible Trump's appointees have been (laughs) on the Supreme Court. You know, they were not nearly as good as as Bush had done. We're hearing a lot of that. Of course, uh, that That, uh, in fact, other presidents, even beyond that, uh, uh, the first Bush uh, was the one who uh, brought us Clarence Thomas, for example. So, yeah, they're not conservative enough. And so, according to DeSantis and and some conservatives, and, of course, the liberals, you know, both sides are very into into caricature-type thinking. It's very frustrating to watch. I would rather have a much more nuanced conversation. And it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. To me, it seems like the court is really driven by the idea, this court, of having which, uh, whichever branch of government is in charge of this thing, whatever this thing is, simply does its job. It's just a whole lot of, no, this should be dealt with by Congress. You know, going back to the example. This is, you know, Article 1, Section 8, how bills are created and how laws are done. seems to me, if they have an overriding theme, that seems to be what And, of course, there's nine different justices, all with their own agendas. But I'm just talking about the overarching thing. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, they they are definitely concerned about separation of powers. Um, The CFPB case we're talking about is about um, Congress's appropriations power. Um, But uh, you heard Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Barrett, two Trump appointees, um saying you know disagreeing with the fifth circuit um and saying you know if congress wanted to change the funding it could um and sort of not having a problem with this independent uh funding mechanism um but then the concern from others um was you know that it was giving the executive branch too much power um so yes that is a a theme about you know each branch staying in its lane i would say
0: yeah yeah very good very well played in fact, if they did side with the conservatives on this, uh, on this uh, you know, uh, CFP uh, situation, my God, it would lead to a gateway of challenging the way almost everything is funded on the federal level.
1: Right. I think it would call into question um, all of its enforcement actions over the years since it was created um, and even call into question the funding mechanism for other independent agencies like the Federal
0: Reserve. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I went a little over, but it was worth it. uh, Letting me do that. Always love chatting with uh, the folks here at uh, uh, the Washington Post. It's one of my favorite things to do every week on the show. Uh, And Marimel, I really enjoyed having you on. Final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think it will be really interesting to see um, what sort of the outside pressure from Congress, what impact that has on the court when it comes to ethics um you've had three justices kavanaugh kagan and the chief say that they want to do something on ethics so we'll be looking in addition to the opinions looking to see if they come out with an ethics policy that applies to the justices
0: i don't know it seems like to me the, the congress at least the house is trying to co- uh, commit collective suicide right now so i don't know if they have enough time for you know, real reasonable legislation that's important, but but we'll have to see. I mean, I look at the U.S. House, and and it's almost like a suicide call. I'm in awe, and not in a good way. Hey, thanks so much, Ann. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to have a link over at PriceofBusiness.com for uh, our article for you. Today, also, we'll have links to your articles, which I encourage everyone to check out. And uh, in addition to that, you just need to go to WashingtonPost.com and uh, learn more about it. It's a phenomenal publication. Thanks so much for being with me. Okay, thanks to you. I am Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more after this.